I'm Anna Chenier. And I'm Gabriel Chenier. And we are from Vegan Fitness Redefined. And we are with SoFlow. Vegans. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host and founder of SoFlow Vegans, Sean Russell. And on today's episode, we have Gabriel and Anna Chenier from Vegan Fitness Redefined on the show. And I had an amazing time both recording this and listening back to this episode. We dove really deep into the waters when it comes to talks about how to get that 10x life, how to take yourself to the next level. And it's only fitting that it's our first podcast for January because this is about the time when people are looking to do just that. So I'm excited to share this episode with you. You're going to get a lot of value out of it and make sure you listen all the way until the end to find out more about what's going on with SoFlow Vegans. We have a huge announcement that I'm going to be making and you're going to be hearing on this podcast. So stay tuned until the end. And of course, we're going to have our little special segment, a song. This may be one of the last songs that we do as we wind out the season. Next season, season eight, we'll be doing something brand new. So enjoy the episode and Tune in all the way to the end to find out our big announcement. Welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm your host, Sean Russell, founder of SoFlow Vegans. And on this episode, we have Gabriel and Anna from Vegan Fitness Redefined joining us on the show. Thank you both so much for being our guests. Thank, Thank you, you Sean. For having us. Yeah, thanks for having us on. So this episode, we are going to be talking about vegan fitness. We're going to be talking about getting your body in a condition that you could be the best possible steward, best possible advocate, best possible mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, fill in the blank that you can be. Because ultimately, if you're not in a position to help someone, then, you know, it's going to be a long uphill battle. So... Before we get into all of that delicious goodness, I want to find out about the two of you. One of the longstanding traditions we have on this podcast is to ask our guests about their vegan origin story. Like, how did you get started on this path? And because we have two guests on here, we get double the pleasure, double the fun, experiment, <laughs> double mint gum. So we'll go ahead and get started with you, Anna. How did you get started on your journey? Great. So I went vegan around six years ago. And originally, I before I went vegan, I started changing my, my whole diet because of health issues. I recognized that, uh, obviously, to be healthy, you know, I actually need to look at what I'm eating. So I was around probably a year into like more, I would say very nutritious, like eating, I was like, really conscious what I'm eating. And I came across a vegan documentary, it was like like simple presentation 101 reason to go vegan and i watched it and it just moved me so much that like immediately i just decided like you know there is no way i can you know i can i at that point i wasn't actually eating meat already and dairy but i was still eating fish and and eggs so i was pescatarian for a year before i went vegan and you know that the decision was so like easy for me because once i watched what i watched i you know i couldn't like um, I couldn't like forget that and I couldn't like ignore that. So I made a decision to go vegan immediately and, um, yeah, and it's, it's been great. It's been going like, you know, I, you know, after I, I would never like go back. I, I could only think like, why I didn't know about that before. I thought like, why nobody told me because <laughs> I, you know, I came like, I just watched that nobody even like uh, tried to persuade me or anything like that. I just watched it and I made the decision. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of like that's kind of my story, how I went vegan. And what and what about you, Gabriel? I uh, yeah, I love that, sweetie. And you know, something I think that uh, I can relate to Anna's journey because you know I had um, become pescatarian, and I was during you know a period of my time where I'd been very focused, and I still am, but I was like really focused on spiritual, personal development, like really focusing on a lot of my internal qualities. And so, um, you know, Anna and I had actually been speaking and she had she had started to introduce uh, veganism. I had never heard of it. I'm like, what is vegan? <laughs> I, I just thought it was like, what is that thing? You know, I knew vegetarians, but I, I was like, what is vegan? And so this was um, 
it's like almost three years ago. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so I, I, you know, introduced pescatarianism into, into my diet and that was for about 10 months or so, uh, ended up moving out to UK cause that's where Anna was living at the time. And, you know, I basically became vegan overnight. Now the thing here, and I think this is very powerful because, you know, what you mentioned, it's, you know, it's different when it's from kind of like that mental, that logical mm, perspective, right? So I, you know, I became vegan and, you know, logically all the reasons made sense. You know, we watched a few documentaries together. I was like, yeah, this all makes sense. But, you know, for me, the real transformation came almost a year after I was already vegan. And that was when I I was reading a book and it was, you know, a book related to, to my spiritual practice. And in the book, it specifically was talking about, you know, the impact of eating animals and our, and on our spiritual development. And I was like, oh my God, that's when it shifted in here, you know, in the heart space, not just mental. I was like, I was like, wow, like I actually really see this. This isn't just like, you know, the impact on my health or the environment, like this is affecting everything, you know, becoming the best version of myself actually requires me really being self-aware here. And I think that's where, you know, that, that, that transformation really clicked for me. And as I'm hearing you speak, I'm hearing certain, certain language. And so I feel like we're, we're going to have a really good conversation. So um, it's like, you have to pick the channels. So um, I want to know more about your company. And so tell us a little bit about that. So we have a little bit of background in terms of kind of like what kind of got you started on this pathway, but why did you decide to start the business and how did your decision to change your lifestyle impact that? Sure, sure. Did you want to start? You can start. Cool. Yeah. So, you know, I've, I've always been in fitness for, you know, basically since I, I grew up as an athlete and, you know, I'd always been involved in some sort of like, you know, some sports. And then later on, you know, when I was in my late teens, I started getting into uh, weightlifting. Um, and I think that, you know, even before I was vegan, you know, it had been such an important part of my life, you know, health and fitness. Um, but, you know, I think it's something interesting and something that we teach, um, you know, in part, in part of our curriculum, you know, it's different when, you know, you have this identity, right? You may identify, let's say, as a vegan, right? Uh, you may identify as an athlete, but it's different from identity to embodiment, like to being an actual example of it. And, you know, so even though I had this identity, you know, I'm an athlete, you know, since five years old, play all these sports, you know, you know, I kind of had this, this, um, this internal quality of self-identification. I didn't feel that until, you know, really until the past, like, you know, three, four, five years, I didn't feel like I was a living embodiment. You see, the thing is, you know, I was just doing it mainly for myself, you know, because that was my identity. Right. And then when I realized that actually, you know, I can actually share this with others, you know, I can actually be a positive example of fitness. And then later on, you know, a vegan fitness, right, really transferring that over and then really recognizing that, wow, you know, being the best version of myself in my body, in my health, in my fitness, in my personal and spiritual development actually allows me to impact others and influence others in a very positive way. Um, You know, I think something one of our one of our first students said, uh, you know, when she was when she was going through her her first program was like, you know, you know, the thing is, Gabriel, like, actually, I need to be this positive example, this vegan role model for my daughter, because she said, you know, the thing is, someone else is going to influence her, you know, whether or not I do this, someone else is going to influence her, it may not be in a positive way. And I thought, you know, that really sums it up. You know, it's really about being that positive example, that role model. And, and that's, that goes to a point that I always want to bring up when we talk about our influences, why we decide to do something What's that intrinsic motivation for that mm. person. And for me, it, it goes back to what is your, what is your goal? What is your vision? You know, what do you see for yourself? What is that one thing that why, what is your why mm. for going vegan? And I think a lot of times when that why isn't strong enough is when you see people and this is take vegan out of the equation, for mm-hmm. example, and mm-hmm. to say diet, or you want to lose weight, or you New Year's resolution, or whatever. Like, unless it's something that, you know, is something you deeply, deeply want for yourself, it's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to fall off the wagon, so to speak. So yes. with veganism, we see, and I'm having these a lot of these conversations at this point, we're like over 60 um, conversations of wise of these different guests mm-hmm. and it's always something deeply personal to them 
whether it's family member, whether it's something they want to shift it in their lives. It could be something that they love that really had a strong influence on them that allowed them. And then they found other reasons. Maybe that was their initial reason, but it was always that strong why. So it's important that I wanted to point that out because you were touching on that. And it also ties into the next um, bit that I want to talk about with your business. First of all, tell us um, one more time the name of your business and what is it that you do? Sure. Go Great. Ahead. I actually, if you don't mind, I wanted to only touch on what you said, because I think this is something so, so important uh, when you mentioned about like the motivation, because uh, I think when it comes actually to, to health and fitness, you know, there is a lot of like different ways of eating and we don't say like, oh, this is the, you know, you need to eat this and this and this because it's the, this is the best way. And I think something that you just said that having this strong why and for everybody will be different. Like Gabriel mentioned for him was more like spiritual. Um, for me, the part was also spiritual, but also like obviously animals and, you know, taking care of our planet. And something that was very moving for me was also like so many people that actually die from, mm -hmm. from hunger, right? Because we use food for, for like feeding animals. So I just wanted to say like something like connecting with what you said, having strong enough why, because I think if you think only about like foods, you take that equation, oh my, oh my gosh, you know, only vegan, vegan diet is the healthiest. And then you start learning about food and you think like, oh, maybe the other food is also like, you know, good. Then I think you don't have the, your why it's not strong enough, because if you start exploring nutrition, you may notice that, you know, there is no perfect diet, but if you know your wife, that's something connected with animals, with spirituality, with taking care of our planet, then, you know, wherever happens, you may have different challenges, but you will stay on, on track because that's something that's so important for you that you can't imagine, you know, to go back, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And it's something, this is a conversation I haven't had with a lot of people, but it's something that I, I deeply feel It's like within the vegan space, you know, there's this conversation of vegan versus plant-based. Mm. And I feel like there's always um, some energy on both sides and well, more, mainly on one side <laughs> when you're using um, the term plant-based to describe vegan, mm. you know, because I feel like vegan and going to the why there is a strong why behind the veganism and i i, I when some and is, there's a tinge of judgment with this but when you're looking at someone who's doing it for the animals i feel like there's less of a likelihood of a person stop being vegan if that's their main motivation I can mm -hmm. honestly say when I went vegan, I was more plant-based, if you want to mm -hmm. use proper terminology, because I was playing around with my diet. I was playing around with the foods that I was putting in mm -hmm. my body. I had an access to information. I found out what every single thing, piece of food you put in your body does. And it's like, once you see that, you can't unsee yeah. it. So yeah. now I put junk in my body. I'm making that choice to put junk mm -hmm. in my body. But it wasn't until I got deep into the community and was doing the SoFlo stuff that I saw you know, animal rights activists, like I actually got to interact with them and saw how passionate and how kind and compassionate they were when you just have a chance to meet them on their level and they're not at an act, you know, not <laughs> at a, a protest or something like that. It's like, okay, they're doing it because they truly in their hearts want to see animal liberation. And for me, that's at that point in my life is when I decided that I'm actually vegan because like, why not? It's like, there's, there's no harm in not contributing to this. But um, I just wanted to put that in there because there was a little window there and I haven't really had a chance to have that particular conversation. But what I do want to tap into is, is definitely the, the health side of things. Because even though you could say, yeah, if you're just doing it for your health, you're more plant-based than anything, I feel like the oxygen mask you know, theory, you, know, you get to make sure you are the best version of yourself in order to be there for other people because your health could lead to mental um, mm. mental fatigue and other things that will kind of stop you right in your tracks from being able to, you know, support sanctuaries or to go out and protest or whatever the type of active advocacy activity you're going to be doing. So I guess my question to you now, the both of you is with your, with your, with your company, with your business, what, are some of the tools or some of the, the, I guess, 
tools of the trade are tricks that you can not, not tricks. Not tricks. <laughs> what, what are some, what's some advice? That's the word I was looking for. What's some advice you can give them to make sure that they're in the best possible position to be an advocate for whatever cause they're advocating for? Great. Yeah. And I think this, you know, like we, we, we spoke on this and I think Sean, this is so great that we started with the why, uh, because it's fundamental and, you know, regardless whether you're just purely doing this for your health, for your fitness, or even for, for the animals environment, I think first off, there's no right or wrong. You know, there's nothing that's, this is a higher level. Like I'm doing this to animals, you know, I'm a better vegan, you know, <laughs> I think first off that, you know, that needs to be very clear because it doesn't matter, you know, at all of us, all of us were at different levels and that's perfectly okay. Um, but what's important is that as we're growing on our journey, right, that we're very aware, you know, the significance of this why. So really, the first thing that we teach is having a positive mind and a deep connection to your why. Uh, and really, you know, it's, it's quite simple because, uh, you know, most of us actually end up being driven from one side of the spectrum, which is fear. Like, oh, my God, I'm getting older. You know, like, oh, my mental health or I'm, you know, I put on 20 pounds or, you know, I'm not as mobile. Right. That's more fear driven. Right. And while that's OK. Right. It's going to get you in action. Right. That's why the gins fill up in January. Right. It's like, oh, my God, this year I got to do it. Like this is the year 2022. It's actually more useful if we spend a little bit more time, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. Right. And just self-reflect, just become aware that, hey, you know, I love my body. I'm perfectly okay, I'm complete and whole exactly the way I am. And yet at the same time, that doesn't mean that I can't improve. That doesn't mean I can't be a better, better version of myself. But the key here is, what is the motivation behind the reason? Am I doing this from like a fear base? Or am I doing this from a, a deeper level? Is this coming from compassion and love for myself, right? For my family, right? And so really getting those two things in place, first that deep why, and then making sure we're coming from a place of positivity, right? So again, the, the fear does work, right? That's why, you know, bosses can, you can have a terrible boss. He'll still get you to be motivated, right? Or you, you, you can still get in the gym, but it's going to dissipate very quickly. You know, one, two, three months, you know, that's how it dissipates. And then number two, what we then look at is, is um, something that we call energy balance. So, right. So provided that, you know, you're, you're focused on a deep why you've connected to that, right. You're focused on positive thinking. The, the second strategy that we look at is really looking at energy balance because, you know, it doesn't matter if you're working out, you know, seven days a week, three hours in the gym, right? Mm -hmm. uh, if we're not focused on how much is coming into our body, right? And how much we're burning per day, it's very easy, you know, to spend every single day working out, you know, two or three hours on the gym. And so the key here is making sure that we have the, um, basically the right numbers set up for your body, right? Because with these two things in place, I mean, we can still guarantee, you know, a significant amount of whether it's, you know, weight loss, weight gain, you know, regaining energy. And then the third thing that we put in uh, is strength training. And really the key here is because especially many of us, you know, we we may go on a, you know, a health, a fitness journey, uh, especially as vegans. You know, it's very easy for us to kind of like forget about this aspect, you know, of actually lifting up the weights, getting stronger. Like I said, always like challenging ourselves to be outside of our comfort zone. And, you know, while it's important for, you know, not only the mental aspect, it's also important for, you know, really creating that that lean, toned, strong look, you know, because whether we're dropping fat or building muscle, the weights act as a signal. It acts as a signal. Hey, you know, Gabriel, I need to keep my muscle while I'm dropping fat. Or, hey, you know, I got to keep my muscle. And now, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm building muscle. So I, ne I need to still have that stimulus here. So I think it's very important because I think, you know, with these three strategies, you know, many, you're going to have like so many different programs, so many different coaches preaching different things. These are, these are timeless principles. These are timeless principles. It doesn't matter what level you're at, whether it's your first year, you know, working out and working on your nutrition and health, or if you're in your 10th or 20th year, you know, this, these same exact principles carry people forward for, for decades, if that makes sense. No, that, that makes total sense. And it actually, as I'm, as I'm having this conversation with you, it's like the universe is kind of popped you right in front of me because I am, I could really use this for myself because I've, I've had done routine. I've, you know, I've had phases in my life where I dropped 60 pounds and, you know, so I, I, I have the tools, but it's easy to forget it once you stop using it. It's like you get into the mix of it, you start seeing results and you say to yourself, oh, wow, I've 
done this before. Why am I just doing it again now? And I, one of the big things that worked for me in the past that I want to get back into it is routines. You know, mm-hmm. you know, having a strong morning routine. You know, for me, like I'm a creature of habit, so if I can do things consistently, it helps me out. And then obviously, you know, closing out the day, having an evening routine. Do you have any suggestions along the guise of what we're talking about for people to like establish those two routines? Yeah. Did you want me to dive into this or did you want to cover? Yeah, you can start because we actually have different routines with Gabriel. So you can start. Yeah. So actually, I'll make this simple, you know, especially for your audience listening right now. You know, I can, you know, basically break down exactly how we set up our curriculum. And it's basically built out exactly how you just said, Sean. I think this is this is so great because, you know, you you dropped the 60 pounds like you've done this before. Right. And yet now you're still in a place where it's like, yeah, like, what the heck? You know, I did this before. (laughs) You know, I got to I got to set up the routines again. And this is so important because if you know, if our listeners here can really understand this point, it can really transform your fitness forever, your health forever. And you can apply this to other areas of your life. And so really the whole premise here is having a system that allows you to grow as you evolve. Right. Having a system that allows you to grow as you evolve, because really there's only two directions in life right? You're either moving forward, you're growing, right? Or you're going backwards, right? You're regressing, right? This, this kind of like imaginary space here that we call maintenance, it doesn't really exist. Mm. It, it, it's we're either moving forward, or we're going back, right? And I think it's very useful to keep this in mind, because it's, it's easy for us to say, you know, you know, we do six months, we're like, Oh, my God, you know, I just did this, you know, amazing beach body program, or I just went to gym, and I was doing this, you know, personal training thing, whatever, right? You do it and you think now I'm just going to maintain, right? Now I'm just going to maintain, right? And this is the truth. You're actually going back, right? There is no maintenance. There is no maintenance. So really, so let me summarize this real quick. So there's really four phases, four phases that we built out in a curriculum. Number one is habits. Number one is habits. And so habits, study tell us, takes about 30 to 120 days to create, right? Habits take about 30, 30 to 120 days to create. That means you just do it until you can get it right, right? That means you you do your workouts on you, until you get them right. You track your nutrition until you get it right, right? Many people stop there, right? This is very important. Many people stop there, right? But really, we also understand that lifestyle, right, which is really what most people are aiming for, takes about anywhere from 12 to 18 months to create, 12 to 18 months to create. So really the the key here is to move immediately from habit phase and start to integrate this into your lifestyle. Mm. So notice here, most people are stopping right after they create the habits. Oh, I just did my workouts. I got them (laughs) 90 days later. Like, yes, you know, I started (laughs) my nutrition. Amazing. And then you stop because you just started doing the habits. You just, it's like nurturing, right? You're nurturing the, the, the habit, the new behavior in your life. And so really we want to go into lifestyle phase, but it doesn't stop there. Because you'll notice many people have the lifestyle, right? Even for vegan, they got the vegan lifestyle, right? And then how come they regress, right? Because it hasn't become part of their identity. It hasn't become part of who they are. So level three, phase number three is going into identity phase. So remember in the beginning of this conversation, I mentioned, you know, I've identified as an athlete since I was five. Identity takes anywhere from three plus years to form. Three plus years. At this point now, your vegan health and fitness should now just become part of who you are. This is now, it's not your lifestyle. There's a big difference here. Remember, lifestyle takes 12 to 18 months, studies tell us. Identity takes three plus years. Now, I added in an extra level here because I realized one of the biggest things for me personally in my own journey was I had the identity. You know, I'm an athlete. You know, I'm into health and fitness. This is part of who I am but I wasn't a positive example, right? I wasn't a living embodiment of it, right? And so I added level four, which is really um, basically anywhere from three and a half to four plus years where now you're just a living embodiment of it. You're now a positive example. You're a vegan role model, right? You're that person who in your in your community, people look up to, they come to you like, yo, yo, bro, like, you know, so how do you, how do you get so fit? Or how do you work out all the time? Or like, you know, how are you so healthy and strong, you know? It's really at that point where you now become that symbol of embodiment, where now you're leading by example, not just talking the talk. Now you're walking the walk. And it's not for you. Remember, it's not for you. It's not for everybody that you touch, right? And that's the whole premise here. And I think you wanted to touch on 
Uh, what was the other area? I just actually wanted to add to this classification because I think this is so powerful. And for all our listeners, you can actually look at your life and you can, you know, especially if you are working on something, if you started eating healthy or maybe you are transitioning into, uh, into veganism or you just started going to the gym or run anything like that, you can start actually looking at these different areas because, you know, the habit actually takes a bit longer than we think. Mm -hmm. But, you know, once you stick with it and when you are already in like, you know, when you feel like, oh, this is who, who, who I am, like, you know, I'm, I'm vegan, you know, then there is no actually like going back. And especially like, you know, when you are when you are training, when you are going to the gym, and when that's your identity and you know that, oh my, you know, I just go to the gym, you know, this is something natural. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an athlete. Then even when you have like a period that maybe you are traveling, maybe something gets, you know, and you can't be perfect, then you don't need to worry really about it because that's who you are. Mm. You are going mm. back. Even when you have a day that maybe, like you said, you, you can choose now to eat maybe a bit unhealthy food, like the junk food, like Sean, like you mentioned, but you know that you will go back because you chose that, you know, that's who you are. You, you know, you are eating healthy. So kind of like having this, when you have this identity, it's really easy because, you know, you don't need to actually think about it. You created this habit. You work hard on that. And now it's just who you are. So I think looking at our life and seeing where we can apply that, where we can actually like, you know, when we are maybe in the lifestyle, and we still need a bit more to get this identity. Or maybe are, we are already in mastery. Maybe we are already this positive example for others. So I think this is actually really useful. And uh, I just want to touch on being an example. Because I think for us as vegans, what it's, um, for me, what was really easy with my, uh, when it comes to, you know, to training, to, uh, to become an athlete and, you know, feel like, you know, that's who I am. It was actually my why, because I knew that other people look at us and, you know, um, any of our listeners, anybody, you know, like we can be maybe the one person that somebody else, our friends know that we are vegans. Right. And, you know, how we look like, how we feel, our health, our, you know, our energy, like everything, like other people will look up to us and see like, is that actually example? Are we actually a good example of veganism? Mm -hmm. So what I mean is like, I actually want to show others that being vegan means that we are really healthy. We are strong. We are not like kind of, you know, uh, like I want to actually um, show others that being vegan, it's, you know, it's not only safe, but you can be also strong. And uh by being this example, like invite others that this is like great way to live. So I think, you know, that's being like vegan and connected with that can help us actually to be also a great example um, of health and fitness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we talk a lot. <laughs> no, I'm speechless because it makes so much sense. I've never heard, like, I heard the other parts before, we even touched on it, but the identity part was really the mind-blowing part because it's like, I'm thinking about the time where I lost a lot of weight and I actually up and down. I, you know, we used to do push-ups. I used to do a push-up day and pull-ups and all that stuff, and I saw the results. And I got, I hit, the, I hit a point where I was like, okay, no. In all honesty, typically the moment I stop, I'll get into the habit. I'll do it maybe like a month, two months. And then I'll get something would happen. I get sick or injured or something happens. And I fall off my routine and I flip, fall right back in the old habits. And then I just go the opposite direction, get back to where I was. And I'm like, until I'm uncomfortable with that, I stay in that area. You know, it's usually like a family member making a joke. Oh, you're getting a little big there. I'm like, <laughs> and then I'm again. You know, <laughs> that, that's that's my that's my motivation. Like it'd be that right person, just the right person to say something to me. Like, ah. um. So I mean, it's like that identity, and it's like I don't see my realistically say myself saying, okay, I want to be an athlete, or I want to be this, or I want to be that. But I love the idea of intertwining it with my bigger vision. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to be a role model for my nephews. I want to be a role model for for students because I do a lot in the education, or I've done a lot in the education space. And a lot of that is in how you show up, mm -hmm. you know, it's in, not just like in, you know, in your actions, but in just in, in who you're being, 
Mm-hmm. And, and and not to equate, you know, being fit or being lean or muscular with, you know, being good. It just builds confidence. Mm. You know, especially if you feel good in your body, you're not wearing clothes to hide up who you are and you can move the way you want to move. You can wear anything you want to wear. You can people respond like I experienced people when I was 230 plus pounds versus 170, 180 people responded to me differently. And I was the same person, but what was different was I had more confidence because I wasn't hiding up what I was uncomfortable with. So I get to do some work on that. I'm saying, I'm sharing my experience so people out there listening can, you know, maybe have these thoughts too in the conversation. So it's a little bit more interactive, but I want to thank you for what you just shared because that was an aha moment for me. And I hope it was an aha moment for a lot of other listeners as well. Um, But touching on something else that's sort of related to this, a big thing that comes up is keeping the routine going when you're not in your comfort zone, Mm -hmm. you know, and you're not in your, by your home, like story I share all the time when I first went vegan in 2008, um, I went to LA of all places and that's where I fell off being vegan. And it wasn't, and obviously it wasn't because there wasn't things out there for me to eat. It was just, I didn't know where things were. I didn't know who to speak to, how to find it. And then it just went back into old habits. So I'm sure that happens to a lot of people with exercise as well as happened mm-hmm. to me. So what are some, you have some tips or um, advice for anybody on how they can maintain that when they're not, um, not in their environment. Brilliant. Yeah. And, you know, really, there's three main systems that we use with with all of our students. And, you know, we, we use this from the beginning. And it the first one is really making sure you have the right strategy, having the right strategy, because, you know, I know everyone listening here can agree that there's basically a million different ways, you know, to lose weight, get fit, get strong, you know, to regain the energy, all that jazz. But at the end of the day, there's really only one way that works for you. In the context of your life, while you travel, while you're on the go, while you're leading your company, while you're making your positive impact, while you're educating others, there's really only one strategy, right? It's the one that works in the context of your life. And that's why it's so important, you know, having the right strategy that adapts to your life, not the other way around, right? We're indoctrinated, right, to believe that, you know, it has, you know, if I need to, you know, if I want to be lean, fit, and strong, you know, I need to either live in the gym I need to give up all my favorite vegan foods. That doesn't really work. Number one, it's not sustainable. It's not consistent and it's not permanent, right? You're actually setting yourself up for failure if you're doing something that's overly restrictive or ridiculously time consuming. So first off, the strategy needs to work for your life. Number two is having the right mentality, what we call the right mindset or what I call, you know, really thinking the right way. And, you know, something that you mentioned, uh, you know, about this, this, this level of confidence, that you felt, you know, you're at 230, then you came down to 170. And you know, you started to to show up differently. You mentioned confidence, so important. And it really touches on something. um, You know, one of the fundamental laws of the universe, the law, the law of vibration, right? We attract who we are, not what we want. We attract who we are, not what we want. And so really having the right mentalities, the right way of thinking allows us to move forward powerfully in those times when we plateau, in those times when, you know, we're working 60, 70 hours a week, in those times when, you know, you know, we have all these projects and we're busy and we're traveling and all this, having the right mentalities, you know, not this all or nothing mentality, you know, not this perfectionist way of being, you know, I know a lot of us can identify this, especially, you know, being vegan, you know, we want to want to be really, you know, like on point, perfect, we want to be really good example. And yet, how does that work? You know, how does that work for us in our health and fitness? You know, it's like, oh, it's either I go to the gym or I don't. It's not, wait, maybe I can just go do five, 10 minutes of exercise rather than nothing, right? You know, the opposite of the all or nothing is something is better than nothing. Something is better than nothing. It's better, you know, just do 10 push-ups rather than go do your 60-minute workout at the gym. Yes, it's more optimal. Don't get me wrong. It's optimal. But what's better than optimal is something, right? Mm-hmm. So that's number two. And number three, and this is the most important, number three is having accountability, right? Whether that's your, you know, somebody that you really trust, whether that's a coach, whether that's a mentor, whether that's a a community, the accountability 
is the most important part behind these two. Because when you have accountability, when you have somebody who holds you in line, who holds you accountable, you know, not just yourself, right? Many of us are like, all right, you know, I'm going to do it this time. And then you don't do it. Why doesn't this happen, right? You know, it's not just me just trying to like, you know, just say like, oh, you need a coach or you need to, you know, you know, get somebody accountable. No, think about this. Really think about this. When you were three or four and you were learning the habit of brushing your teeth, your parents held you accountable at least two or three times a day, at least two or three times a day. Why? Because you're creating a habit. Go brush your teeth. Go brush your teeth, Sean. Go, go brush your teeth, right? If you have, you know, somebody who really cared about you, they, they told you go brush <laughs> your teeth, right? Yeah. But imagine if your parents or whoever was taking care of you stopped. Imagine they stopped, right? You wouldn't have integrated into a lifestyle, right? So the habit of brushing your teeth became a lifestyle. And so now you're five or six, still brushing your teeth. And guess what? You still forgot. You're like, go brush your teeth. I told you your breath smells. Go brush your teeth, right? And so they kept reminding you over and over and over again. And now you're seven, eight, nine. And now it starts to become part of your identity. Maybe they're not reminding you every day, but they say, hey, did you brush your teeth? Yeah, you brush your teeth, right? Yeah, yeah, I brush my teeth because it's now being integrated into your identity. And so notice, if we look at any habits that are now part of our identity, we needed somebody to hold us accountable, especially in the beginning, especially in the middle, and then a little bit at the end, right? It's kind of like, you know, you're you're pushing that boulder. We need a lot in the beginning, right? You're going against inertia, right? Mm-hmm. And so if we're going against inertia, we need we need some help, right? We need some accountability. We need somebody to say, did you do that? Did you do your workout? Did you track your nutrition? Did you drink your water, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And what I'll, what I'll add to that is when I did go through those transformations, 100% accountability was a huge factor in me being able to do that. I had train I had trainers at the gym that helped me out. And I know, I know, speak, I know my, some people, you know, are, they're different, but for me, I know that when it's something that's a struggle for me, if I have that person that's going to help me, I know, oh, I have that next week let me do some (laughs) let me not be so green when i walk into there it it definitely works but it gets easier as you do it time and time and then also another case of that is um when accountability goes wrong it's like i i never learned how to write properly like Mm. i have my own way of writing and it's because it worked for me but it's just like little things like that it's like i'm talking about as a child you know what i mean it's like those things like accountability is important. Um, I don't know why I said the anecdote, but um, mm-hmm. basically <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's important. But um, I guess the last thing I, I do want to touch on um, is how to make sure that you're building, you know, lean muscle, you're building, you know, the strength that you need, depending on what it is you're doing on a plant-based diet, because there's, especially if someone's listening to this and they're, new into plant-based and to veganism and they may not know okay how much protein do i need or do i even need as much protein as some people say and where do i get protein vegan because i know protein comes from from meat right protein comes from meat so what would you say to um those individuals who want to know how to be able to do that cool cool yeah so typically you know especially as vegans and and plant-based eaters you know regardless where you are in your journey um, you know, protein is, is essential. And, you know, you know, I, I think it's this, this, this common belief, this fallacy that, you know, oh my God, you know, protein only comes from meat, but we understand that, you know, actually the, the animals eating it actually, it comes from plants. Right. So, you know, really the, the one caveat here is just making sure that we have really then enough of the essential amino acids, which is basically what makes a protein. Right. So protein is the building blocks for for our body, right, for our structure and also for our muscle. Right. And so we know that muscle tissue is actually it's 80 percent water uh, and then made up of protein, of amino acids. Um, But really simple, simple outline. So it's depending on your really on your goal. So if you're working specifically on building muscle, if you're just like, oh, my God, you know, I you know, maybe I'm you know, I'm, I'm a little bit skinny or I'm kind of like that stereotypical, like skinny, maybe not so strong vegan. And I want to really build some serious muscle. Awesome. Right. So if you're focused specifically on building muscle, there's really two keys in place. You know, assuming that you're you're in a positive state of mind. The first one is making sure that you're in a surplus. Right. Making sure that you're in a surplus. And what that means is actually eating a bit more than your body needs. Right. So higher than your maintenance needs. Right. Because 
it's actually it's actually not possible to build something from nothing, right? We need some we need an extra source of energy. So if we see food as energy, which it is, um, we need more energy coming in than our body needs, right? And so there's a caveat here. First off, uh, if you're eating more than your body needs, what usually happens? You put on fat, right? <laughs> you put on weight, right? And so many people are like, oh my God, you know, I don't want I don't want to eat more. But this is where number two comes in place. So number two is making sure that you're consistently working out, right? That you're consistently using the principle of progressive overload, progressive overload. So if you're in a surplus, if you're eating more than your body needs, if you're working out consistently and using the principle of progressive overload, which means uh, training hard with enough intensity, right? And with enough volume. Volume means the amount of sets that you do for a specific uh, muscle group or, or body part, right? Mm -hmm. So if we have enough intensity and enough volume and we're in a surplus, then your body will naturally put on and start to build uh, lean muscle. You'll, you'll put on actually a little bit of fat, but th there'll be usually about like a one to one ratio of about a pound of lean muscle and then about a pound of fat. Uh, since muscle takes longer to build and develop, you know, many of us think like, oh my God, I go in the gym, lift the weights, woo, muscle, let's go. <laughs> you know, in the beginning, you'll notice kind of like beginner gains, right? So if you, it's your first like, you know, three, six months training, you know, you'll notice kind of like that initial like quick newbie gains. After that, you know, these things are so important. You know, in the beginning, it's a little bit easier to kind of get away without being so spot on. But really, it's so important later on because progressive overload uh, really ensures that year after year, you're able to build lean muscle tissue and still keep that lean, strong look. Um, and, you know, since we know that muscle takes longer to build, usually for guys, we can build, especially in the beginning, in the beginning phases, we can put on like maybe a pound to two pounds per month of muscle, right? For females, it's a little bit slower. It's about closer to about 0.6 to maybe about a pound-ish per month as a beginner, right? As a beginner, it changes as you get more advanced, you build less and less muscle because your body's more adapted, right? To the training, right? Um, but in the beginning, definitely, you know, it's, it's a good ratio, but because fat loss, because weight loss is so much quicker, right? So you can actually drop, let's say a pound of fat per week, per week, right? In a sustainable and consistent way. So if you think about it, yes, you're going to put on a little bit of fat, but mind you know being mindful that you're already at a lower body fat percentage then actually it makes sense you know let me build on some muscle you know i want to you know put on some weight i want to get you know that strong look i want to be a you know positive vegan role model and then i also know that you know if i have like let's say 10 12 15 20 pounds to, to take off to shred as we say mm -hmm. you know it's going to take me about like you know 12 15 20 weeks as compared to maybe a year or two of muscle building if that makes sense no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Cool. And then, and then I know that you asked about kind of like recommendations, like, you know, how much protein, uh, you know, really simple. Um, we aim for just about a gram of protein per body weight, gram of protein per pounds. body, a pound per pound, pounds. per pound. <laughs> so if I'm like 165 pounds, then that's about 165 grams of protein. However, uh, in muscle building, it's easy. Muscle building is so easy. And especially for vegans, uh, plant-based eaters, we'll think like, oh, you know, I can get protein from chickpeas or I can get it from lentils or quinoa. In muscle building, it's actually quite easy to do without like supplementing from like protein powder or even a lot of like vegan um, processed like mock meats or things like that. In fat loss, this is a caveat. In fat loss, it becomes trickier because now you're having less food than your body needs, which means that having lots of lentils, lots of quinoa, lots of kind of like those secondary protein options, we call them secondary because they're actually carbs, they're carbohydrates, um, but they still have protein. But because when we're, when we're in a fat loss phase, because we actually reduce the total amount that we're eating, right? We're eating less than our body needs so that way we can drop fat. Mm -hmm. Then we really need to prioritize the protein. It becomes very important because when we're training, and we're eating less than we need, our body actually will prefer to give up our muscle first before our fat tissue, right? Mm -hmm. It will prefer to give it up if, if we're not getting enough protein and if we're not training hard enough, if we're not using progressive overload, right? So you think a lot of people like, they'll be like, oh, I'm going to lose weight and drop 20, 30, 40 pounds, but they're not working out and they're not getting enough protein, which means they're actually losing a lot of muscle tissue, a lot of lean muscle tissue and fat, mm -hmm. you know, so it's kind of like, 
we want to make sure we're still keeping our assets, right? We want to make sure we're still keeping our assets because muscle is it's going to be one of the the easiest ways to make sure that you know our bodies are safe, you know, especially as we age, you know, make sure that we're mobile, uh, make sure that we're kind of like you know still being metabol metabolically efficient and you know still burning off calories even if we're not always working out. I wanted to add to what you said because I think it's very important because obviously we are talking to vegan audience and anybody who is actually going vegan. And this is something important. And I just want to underline it because I had no idea when I went vegan, you know, anything about protein, strength training, anything like that. So I know that I lost actually a lot of muscles when I transitioned to veganism because I was eating mostly just fruits and vegetables. I was barely eating protein, not mentioning any strength training. So uh, for anybody who is going vegan and just like thinks, oh my gosh, what will happen now? It's absolutely possible. It's really easy. You just need to follow principles because that's the whole thing. It's it's really easy to get actually protein on, on plant-based diets. We just need to be aware what foods to choose and being aware that you know beans are great but they actually don't have as much protein, you know, if you want to, for example, maybe build, build muscles, how much chickpeas you can eat, right? <laughs> so just being aware and just like, you know, getting maybe a bit more educated. What else can I eat? What, what are the other options? Because, you know, tofu is a great option. Tempeh, we have Satan, we have different mock meats. We have so many protein powders now. And, you know, some people are kind of like, oh my gosh, protein powders. But to be honest, you know that a lot of meat eaters, they, they use protein powders too, right? So it's mm. not like only for, for vegans. So there is there are plenty of choices. And, you know, I actually started strength training and built all the muscles that I built only on a purely plant-based diet. So it's definitely possible it's in any age for us females it's a bit harder obviously than for for males but definitely it's possible and once you follow the principles it's really easy so that's why we want to actually you know inspire others and 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 show that you know plant-based plant-based diet and you know being vegan it actually doesn't mean that you need to be like you know weak and you know lose all the masses you know we actually show that the opposite is possible and let's let our listeners and our, our our community know more about like how your how your program supports and all of this he touched on it a little bit throughout the podcast but you know what can they expect if they wanted to you know dive in and and start working with you too cool cool yeah and you know we we, we actually did touch on it. And I think it's great that you brought this up. It's, it's really having the right strategy. So number one, making sure that you have the right strategy for, for your fitness, for your workouts, for your nutrition, you know, making sure it works in the context of your life, you know, you know, where, whatever level that you're at, you know, it really has to be sustainable. You know, we spoke about habits and lifestyle and identity, all this stuff only works if you have a strategy that you can actually, you know, commit to. That you can actually, wow, yeah, of course I can do that. Yeah, of course that works in the context of my life. You know, whatever amount of time you have. Number two, making sure that you have the right mentalities. And that's something that, you know, we actually, you know, we have a, a specific weekly group coaching call where all we do is coach on mentalities. It's literally, that's all we talk about. And it's really making sure that, you know, that you're not only understanding the right way to think, but you're actually applying it. Right. You're not only understanding like some of these different laws and principles and mentality You're like, oh, my God, this is so great. But then you don't actually apply it. And so really, that's the key, making sure that you have the right mentalities, you understand them, but that you apply them in the context of your life. And then number three is accountability. And, you know, I think that's something that separates, you know, what we do from a lot of other programs, because, you know, you might go on IG and you're like, oh, my God, you know, I want to get this 30 day program. or I want to get this 90 day plan. And then, you know, you never speak with the, the person, right? You never actually have communication with whoever it is that you got the plan from. And I think it's really that that difference where we have, you know, the daily accountability systems, whether that's a check-in, whether that's, you know, a message, you know, whether that's seeing if, you know, the workout was completed or the meal was eaten, things like that, you know, that make sure that, you know, we actually develop into habit, lifestyle, identity, and then exampleship, if that makes sense. I think it's so important because I feel like so many people don't talk about this, you know, really about our mind, you know, this thing that directs everything in our life, right? And I think something that you mentioned, um, you know, if you're open to the suggestion, is something we actually, we teach some of our, you know, some of our private coaching clients is really just writing out, you know, a sentence or two, you know, a sentence or two of something that you want to embody. Like, for example, I have a, like a, what's it called? Like a paper in my pocket. So I write out like my daily affirmations, right? My daily, um, 
kind of like my life truths. So I'll say like, why am I Gabriel Chenier so blessed to be healthy, strong, and fit and have energy every single day? And you know, the key here is in the beginning, you won't believe it. You're thinking like, this is ridiculous. Why the hell am I saying this? But you know, something so interesting about, you know, our mind. And I think there was a, there was a criminologist. She was studying basically behaviors of human beings. And she, she basically found that, you know, when people first come in contact with crime, they're like, oh my God, crime, this is horrible. This is like mm. terrible, right? And yet the longest they stay in contact with crime, they're like, oh my God, you know, we live in a bad neighborhood. You know, this is just the way it starts to normalize, right? And then she also found they stay, if they stay in contact with crime long enough, they actually start to become criminals. Mm. They actually start to become influencers. And that's the same exact way our mind works. That's the same exact way. So in the beginning, you start to say these things, right? You start to say, why am I so blessed to have energy, health, you know, fitness as a strong vegan role model every single day? You won't believe. You'll be like those people. You think, that's crazy. That's just some crazy talk. You do that consistently day after day, two, three, four, five times a day. Your mind actually starts to believe it. Not your conscious, your subconscious, right? Because what we're actually rewiring is our self-image, Right? It's who we actually truly believe we are, you know, not not the not the external projection, who we truly believe we are. And so that's really the key here, because we make that shift and that's where we get into that identity phase. And that's also I wanted to piggyback on what you said. That's the, you know, repeating the affirmation every day will actually help us to change our subconscious belief. So then it's easier because you start going to the gym and, you know, you eat nutritious food but when you are changing your belief at the same time, you keep doing that. If your belief is like, I'm overweight, but you are like, you know, you are going to the gym, you are forcing yourself and you think like, I will eat the salad, I will eat the salad. Mm-hmm. There will be point that you start sabotaging yourself because the primary belief, it's like, I'm overweight. So even if you are losing your, your you know, you're actually like mind thinks, no, I need to get that back. Does that make sense? No, no, it, it totally makes sense. And, you know, the distinction that I always go to is abundance versus scarcity. Mm. You know, so it's like, for me, it's, it's always operating from one of those two places. And I, I definitely, I'm firmly believe in the universe. I believe in, you know, the law of attraction and, you know, to an extent, you know, not, you know, to the idea that you, what you put out is what you what you receive because the universe doesn't understand sarcasm Mm -hmm. i mean so it's like what you want focus on what you want you know i believe i'm the author of the world that i create you know i'm 100 accountable for what happens in my life and that's that's a hard pill to swallow at times but it also Mm -hmm. was empowering because it's like if i am the author i get to operate out of an abundant mindset because then i create what i want Exactly. And if something's showing up in my life, that's just a point of reflection. I get to look mm-hmm. at why this is showing up. And if it doesn't serve me, what do I get to add in order to get what I truly desire? And not coming from a place of, I have to have this, but a place of, you know what? I desire, I have a desire for this. I choose to have that. Having that choice, having the freedom to choose where you want to go and what you want to do and who you want to be more importantly. So it's like, that's why when we first started talking, I kind of alluded to like, I, I hear, I'm hearing certain, certain language that you're using. <laughs> so it's like, I, 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 I'm hoping that the conversation will go where I feel it's going to go. And of course I authored that. So, um, um, yeah, I, I, I really enjoyed this. <laughs> yeah. Strong, strong desire creates strong result, weak desire, weak result. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> and I love What's this it? ownership that you said choosing right and 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 it's it's and i'm mindful that it is a huge paradigm shift for a lot of people Mm. you know because it's because i because i noticed just in conversations and interactions and just looking at my life in the past it's like it's easier to operate from a place of the world is happening to me Mm. yes because then that takes that takes the ownership off of you to then fix it Mm-hmm. All right, not, not even not I wouldn't even say fix it because that's just a bit of a scarcity conversation, but mm-hmm. to create what you want, 
rather. Mm-hmm. And even in the languaging, you know, being mindful yeah. of that. Is it's, like, it's, it's subtle. Like, yeah, it's like you said, it's very subtle. Yeah. <laughs> Use different words, yeah. you know, yeah. when you yeah. take ownership. You can't say, oh my gosh, it's happening to me, right? Yeah. You need to say, I chose it. I decided I did it. It happened. I don't like the outcome. Then I need to change something, right? Because I created that. And like what you were saying, you do that enough, then it just becomes second nature. And then you find yourself just saying it naturally, you know, yes. speaking naturally. Yes, love it. It becomes your identity. Brilliant. Ooh, Brilliant. Identity again. I, 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 wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't like blowing you up, but I, I, that identity thing is, 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 is as simple as it may sound. It's, it's huge because it's like, like for me, I stop at the, um, at the why. Mm. you know, based off the training that I've gone through and what I know. And I literally just the whole I concept of identity, because I've been fighting identity a little bit, to be honest mm. with you, you know, and it's like the isms and things of that nature. I kind of put a negative tinge on identity because mm. usually I look at identity leads to conflict. Identity leads to separation. Oh, you um, know, this is, this is great. What you're saying this, I mean, this is deep. Like literally what you just said, we actually, this is, this is so great. So many, how many people on social media are like, oh, you vegan? How long you been mm-hmm. vegan for? I'm, for me, my first thing is, no, I'm human being. Mm-hmm. I'm human being first. Yes, I, that's part of my identity. Yes, but first I'm human being. There's literally, we, we can talk for hours yeah, on that. I, <laughs> I, I love whole, this. Like with, <laughs> with color, with gender, with nationality, too much separation. Yes. Too much Every, the countries that we come the from, countries we, this is, I'm vegan. No, you're not vegan. Yeah. You know, like all this, uh, we actually need to remember that, you know, whether you believe it or not, we are actually one. Like when I look at you, I'm seeing myself. When I speak to my wife, that's an extension of myself. All of this, the table, all of this, this is a whole other conversation, but exactly what you said, <laughs> no separation. This is, oh man, I yeah, love it. Oh we can God. talk on another podcast. I, on I, this I, is good. I will end on this point because it's a, a new thought for me. So I could look at the flip of identity, the scarcity and the negativity that falls from identity and shift the language to community. Yes. So if the focus is on community, I'm part of the vegan community, I'm part of this, you're advocating for togetherness rather than isolation. Mm Because identity is I'm vegan, I'm black, I'm this, I'm that. It's yes. I'm part of this community and we're working towards this. And in, in that exactly. similarity, you can then look at I'm part of the human, you know, I'm part of the human race. But it, but the other part of that, too, is that there are certain things that come with being parts of community that can't just be glossed over with, you know, you know, you're part of this larger set and we should all come together because then. So that's when you start to get into the nuances yeah. of everything. But yeah. but I but I think you can't argue with, I mean, it's hard to argue with, you know, I want to be part, I want to contribute to a community that is, you know, working to make this world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think and that's it, not just for me, it's for everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mm-hmm. think it depends that the thought that you are coming from, because you know, we actually don't call each other like I'm originally from Poland, but I don't call myself I'm Polish. I just say I'm from Poland. Because, you know, I, I, you know, then it's this, like you said, you divide. Oh, my gosh, I'm from there. You are from there. Like, I'm not white. You are not black. That's only our color of, of the skin. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like also like just think that instead of like thinking, oh, my gosh, you know, we can be vegans, but we don't need to be like identify thinking like we are better than somebody mm. else. So it depends like how you think, you know, the, the, the thought behind that. Mm-hmm. And where can people go to find more information about um, about what you just described? Cool. So you guys can find us at uh, veganfitnessredefined.com. That's veganfitnessredefined.com. All right. And then the last thing that we I love to have the guests do is to share a last, give them the floor to share a last thought. And then we end the podcast that way. So any Anything that's on your heart right now that you want to drive home to our community, I'm going to yield the floor to you. Cool, cool. Um, I think for me personally, and you know, I know Anna resonates with this this belief as well, is that you know, all of us, you know, all of us are truly perfect, complete, and whole. There's nothing missing from any of us. I know that there's a lot of like, you know, different 
experiences that we have growing up as children and then later on in adult life. And I really want to acknowledge this because this is something I, I struggled with for, for many years, which was my self-esteem. You know, I had this belief that you know something missing, you know, there's something wrong with me, you know, um, there's something, you know, I just, I wasn't good enough. Right. And I really want to point this out because regardless of where you are, you know, as a vegan, you know, in your health and fitness journey, whatever you're doing, you know, all of us, we already have everything that we need inside of us. Right. You know, I think, you know, one of the biggest um, responsibilities of a coach is really just to remind someone of their potential, really just to help them bring it out because it's already there. All of us have the potential. It's already there. You know, I think something with me working with so many different mentors with myself, so many different teachers, so many coaches, it's really just that constant reminder over and over and over again. Like, listen, you already have everything that you already need. All you need to do is bring it out. Absolutely. I just wanted to say that having support, it's so important because very often we can't see. Actually, it's different when you look at somebody else and when you look at yourself. We sometimes don't see that. And, you know, we feel like, oh, my gosh, I'm not good enough. I can't do that. But actually having somebody who can look at you and, you know, share with you and support you, that's so that's priceless, basically. It really can help us. But also um, something that I wanted to mention when you were sharing about your beliefs, and I, you know, I had that, you know, and I thought that I wanted to share that very quickly, uh, because, you know, if something is stopping us, you know, it's good to look at our beliefs. What's that, what are actually our beliefs? Because you mentioned about actually fat loss, and that's why we go so deep into, into mentality with our clients, because if we see that somebody, you know, it's not maybe getting results or maybe, it's sabotaging their workouts or food, anything like that. We need to look at the beliefs because if we have believed that, oh my gosh, I'm overweight, then even if we, maybe we are following the habits and we are losing weight, then because we think that we lose weight, then we want to get back. So, you know, on a conscious level, we may be committed and we think like, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. But on a subconscious level, if our belief is totally different, you know, it will all, we will always go back to our subconscious belief. What is our primary belief? What we believe about ourselves? That's why we said that identity is so important because if you are on the level of identity, this is who you are. And you know, like I'm an, I'm an athlete or maybe, you know, I have like, you know, I, I'm very healthy. Um, I have high levels of energy. That's who you know you are. And you will always, even if there is a moment that, you know, you slip by, maybe you eat something unhealthy, you know, this is only for, a, you know, for one meal for a day. So going back to our beliefs. So that's why we say that, you know, the mindset is actually the most important. You know, everything else is kind of like, you know, surrounding that. But we need to go back to the base. You are listening to the SoFlow Vegans podcast with Sean Russell. Like I don't know what you eat I've been your pardon But I don't know what you mean I got a mean appetite More than average size No I don't skip Alamo with the apple pie Triple scoop Soy milk or coconut Flavors from vanilla Cookie dough to mocha fudge And boca burgers like word Fake chicken fingers Is the tip of the iceberg No tree hugging stereotypes I'm about to read a pizza It's burial rites I'll murder a slice If we're sharing a pie Just skip the pepperoni Keep the dairy aside I know what you're thinking That's bruschetta now nah, we got the soy cheese counterfeit cheddar Hook up the nachos, guacamole tacos Avocado sushi, domo origato What do you eat? What about meat? What about protein? What about cheese? Can you eat fish? Do you eat this? Would you eat that? Are you anemic? What do you eat? What about meat? What about protein? What about cheese? Can you eat fish? Do you eat this? Would you eat that? Are you anemic? I got my grub on up cooking up bacon tofu scrambling vegan pancaking making home fries bread breaking fruit in the blender almond milk shaking hit the bagels with the cashew butter soy cream cheese if it suits you better finger foods is the hand they dealt me sweet potato fries with the tempeh lt gimme gimme junk food till it hurts me attack a pack 
fucking snacks with no mercy. Quick cold turkey, switch to tofurkey. Ditch slim gyms and hit the sword jerky. Super hot sauce, suicide silly. Tie chili packs, heat screwing nine milli. Nine million meals numb from the deli. Belly of the beast, no beast in my belly. What do you eat? What about me? What about protein? What about cheese? Can you eat fish? Do you eat this? Would you eat that? Are you anemic? What do you eat? What about me? What about protein? What about cheese? Can you eat fish? Do you eat this? Would you eat that? Are you anemic? They call it rabbit food. Just cause I don't call it rabbit food. They call it rabbit food. Just cause I don't call it rabbit food. everybody thank you so much for listening to this episode big shout out to gabriel and anna chenier from vegan fitness redefined for being our guest on the show hopefully you enjoyed the episode and the conversation as much as i did and of course our song for the episode is chocolis the 40 year old vegan which i will be pretty soon so yeah hopefully you enjoyed that song and our next episode will be the last time we do it for a while we're gonna have brand new segments for season eight so yeah we're coming we're down to the wire exciting times here at soflo vegans and i mentioned at the top of the show we're gonna have a special announcement and it has been years in the making ladies and gentlemen but we are finally 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 releasing our soflo vegans digest Yes, I'm so excited for this because it is your unofficial guide to being vegan in South Florida. It's going to have a listing of all of the vegan, as many vegan restaurants as we know. And if we're missing any, please let us know because then we'll add you for the next edition that's coming out in April. And so much more. You know, this is the first issue. I've been holding off on it because I've been trying to make it perfect, but you know what? I just want to release it, get your feedback, and then make the next one even better and then continue to do that. So yes, I'm excited to SoFlo Vegans Digest. Um, depending on when you listen to this, it may be out, it may not be out, but it for sure will be out by episode 12. And you can check that out at SoFloVegans.com slash digest. And of course, if you want to listen to all the episodes from this season and past seasons, we're on season seven now, we're up to like 70 podcasts and counting. You can go to soflowvegans.com slash podcast. But most importantly, we do want to hear from you. Season eight, I want to have a big part of it being your feedback, your questions. I want it to be more interactive. So you can go to so you can go to actually email us at contact at soflowvegans.com and leave your questions or let us know what you're thinking we want to definitely have your voice heard on the show so yeah that ends this episode and once again thank you for listening thank you for supporting soflo vegans we really appreciate and love all of you and keep doing what you're doing for the movement if you're new to veganism or you're new to the podcast just keep on hanging in there listen to what we have to say and if you have any questions feel free to reach out love you all and see you on the next podcast today's episode was produced and edited by sean russell to become a sponsor please visit soflovegans.com promo for more details